This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, in my book, Changed, I describe how I, as a Jew, came to understand that Jesus is God. Now, the title of the book is Changed, and it's interesting to go onto Amazon because I don't think they've sold over 300 copies on Amazon, but there are over 300 reviews of the book on Amazon. So people feel very compelled to write a review on a book they didn't buy on Amazon, but anyway. And of those 300, more than 300 reviews, the great grand number that are positive are 17, all right? <laughs> So 17 are positive and over 300 are hateful as an understatement. Negative is an understatement. They're hateful. And as one reviewer wrote this, none of them liked my writing style. Sorry, Gene, you proofed it for me. None of them liked my writing style. They all said I'm an amateur writer. So the one that was positive says, I must agree with the majority of the reviewers who point out the shortcomings of Mr. Cantor's writing and editing. You're not offended, are you, Gene? The writer goes on. My question is this, why are the bulk of the reviewers so disturbed by this unsolicited mail order to, to not only take the time to post a review as opposed to just pitching the package in a five seconds, but write the vile, invictive lines like, line my hamster page with this book, use it as toilet paper, flaming hot garbage? Someone sent them an unsolicited bulk rate direct mail package. So what? Toss it in the round file like any piece of junk mail. Why rant? Because they were disturbed by it. <laughs> this one is different because as amateurish as the work may be, this author proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. On this basis and by the visceral reaction of the reviews, I'd say, Mr. Cantor has succeeded. <laughs> all right. So of all those 300 reviews, it makes it clear that the title of the book was misnamed. It shouldn't be called Changed. It should be called Amazed. 
amazed that Jesus is God. And the idea that Jesus is God amazed Paul, just as the idea that Jesus is the Messiah amazed the people in verse 23, where it says, and all the people were amazed in verse 23. So that has to get down to why? What was it about the Lord Jesus that amazed the people that drew them to this? And we know what was amazed, what were they amazed at, because it says at the end of verse 23, what was amazed, amazing to them was this question, is not this the son of David? That was amazing to them. That question, is not this the son of David? In other words, is not this the Messiah? That was amazing to them. So why was that? Why were they so amazed? Why were they so amazed at the possibility that Jesus is the Messiah? All the people, it says that in verse 23, all the people were amazed at the idea of Jesus being the Messiah because they never expected the Messiah would come from, for example, the lowly town of Nazareth. Does that. John 146, John 146. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? The town of Nazareth was and still is very much looked down on. Today it's an Arab town in Israel. It's really not very respected at all. There's nothing wrong with Logan Heights. There's nothing wrong with Compton. But it's like saying that a president of the United States came from Logan Heights or from Compton. No one expected the Messiah would come from such a place like Nazareth. And so that's one reason. Another reason why all the people were amazed that Jesus could be the, that Jesus was the Messiah was because they never would have expected that the Messiah would have such lowly parents. It says in, in Matthew 13:55, Matthew 13:55, "Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James, Joseph, Simon and Judas?" Remember, I told you the story one time when Pastor Jim and I, Gene was there too. Anyway, we were out in Desert Hot Springs and we were driving around visiting the Jews and there was this group of Orthodox rabbis walking down the street. I said to Jim, stop the car, stop the car, I want to get out. Jim says, you sure you want to do that? Yes, yes, you know, know, get out there, go running up there as a young believer. I says, oh, I'm Jewish, I believe in Jesus. And, you know, and I remember the one rabbi, he stroked his beard, they all have beards, he stroked his beard. He goes, he goes, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Which yeshiva did you say you studied at? (laughs) I was so offended. I came back, I slammed the door. What happened? Never mind. So, okay, Mary and Joseph were poor, and he was a carpenter. It's not a very high profession. It's like being, you know, it wasn't like being a priest or a scholar. And that Jesus the Messiah would have poor parents that amazed the people. Now, another reason they were amazed is that they're amazed that Jesus is the Messiah because they never expected the Messiah would be humble and meek. That's not what you would expect for the Messiah, John. I mean, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, where Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I mean, the religious leaders were not meek. You know, it says in Matthew 23, 5, Matthew 23, 5, the Lord talked about the religious leaders, is all their works they do for to be seen of men, for they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms of the feasts and chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets 
and to be called rabbi, rabbi. They, they love that. See? The religious leaders wanted to be considered, above all, prominent. That's what they want, prominent. And the people were amazed that the greatest ruler of all, the Messiah, should not seek prominence, but he should be humble and meek. They were also amazed about the Messiah, that Jesus was the Messiah, because they, they never expected that the Messiah would not immediately defeat the Romans and restore independence to the country. They knew the Messiah was going to be from Micah 5.2, from Micah 5.2, when he said, but thou, Bethlehem of Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth him unto me, him that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old of everlasting. They knew in Zechariah 12.8, Zechariah 12.8, that in that day the Lord shall defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them in that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day that, I, that I will, he will seek to destroy all those nations that come against him. That's why the disciples in Acts 1.6, in Acts 1, they asked the Lord, he says, when therefore they were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom? to Israel, are you gonna get rid of these Romans? The idea that Jesus was, is the Messiah and didn't completely overthrow the Romans was amazing to them. And then the, the other thing that was amazing to them was that Jesus is the Messiah because they never expected the Messiah would teach to not resist being beaten and not fight back. In Matthew 5.39, Matthew 5.39, when he said, but I say unto you that you, should, that you resist not evil, Whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So the idea that the Messiah is teaching people to accept humiliation, that's repulsive. Just the concept that God would want to humble a person, that's unthinkable. That God would use his mighty hand to bring a person low, oh no, that can never be. I never can accept 1 Peter 5, 6, 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. There's one aspect about the great leader, Moses, that the people really didn't like to accept or to really to, better to ignore this in Numbers 12.3, Numbers 12.3, where it says, the man Moses was very meek above all the men that were upon the face of the earth. That's Moses. But the picture that the people had of Moses was not that. They had a picture of him being very strong, very powerful, ruling with an iron fist. That's how the people looked at Moses, their great leader, but not as the meekest man on the face of the earth. Let's just kind of forget that scripture. That's no good. The, the people were amazed. People were amazed in verse 23 that Jesus was the Messiah because they never expected that he would accept this personal humiliation described in Isaiah 53.7. Isaiah 53.7, where it says he was oppressed, he was afflicted, but he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is dumb, but he opens not his mouth, or so he opens not his mouth. They're expecting him to fight back, fight his enemies back. That can't be the Messiah. Verse 19 of this chapter, Matthew 12, 19. Matthew 12, 19. He shall not strive, nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. People were amazed at that. People were also quite amazed that Jesus was the Messiah because he came into this such direct conflict with the religious leaders. Mark eleven eighteen. Mark eleven eighteen. the scribes, the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. The people were relying on the religious leaders to tell us who the Messiah is, tell us. They would say to the religious leaders, you're the experts in the scriptures. You will be able to tell us 
who proven to be the Messiah who fulfills all the prophecies, and surely their religious leaders are gonna be unbiased about it, right? And objectively tell us if Jesus is the Messiah. So they're amazed to see that Jesus must be the Messiah because of what he did this man here delivering him from the demon and blindness and dumbness. And they're really amazed to see how the, the, uh, the religious leaders, they don't just calmly, like it said in Amazon, just toss the, the Amazon, just toss the thing in the trash can, leave him alone, who cares? But they're saying terrible things about him, like he's in league with the devil. That amazed the people. And then, they, and of course, the biggest amazement for them was the Messiah is God. Jesus is the God, that, that's amazing to them to hear him say in John 10.30, John 10.30, not only to hear him say, but also to watch and see that the religious leaders understood perfectly that he was claiming to be God. And they were gonna kill him because of that in John 10.30, John 10.30, when he said, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father, for which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered, saying to him, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. And so the people were amazed also that Jesus is the Messiah because, because of what he did to the temple. He was so disruptive. In Matthew 21, 12, Matthew 21, 12, Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought on the table and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Said unto them, it's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. People revered that temple. You can't imagine how much they revered that temple as the most important place on earth. They admired everything about the temple. That's why the disciples, I guess they felt they had to clue him in, to clue Jesus in on how beautiful these buildings were. It says in Matthew 24, 1, Matthew 24, 1, Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. The disciples did that. They were proud of their temple, as everybody was. They wanted the Lord to admire the building of the temple. The idea that the Messiah would find something so seriously wrong with the temple that he would go into the temple one day and disrupt it all, overthrow all the tables and all that, that left them amazed that Jesus was the Messiah. People were amazed that Jesus was the Messiah because they expected, they never expected, I guess I should say it, they never expected him to tell them that their thoughts made them sinful. Their thoughts? You know, Matthew 5, 27, Matthew 5, 27, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That's every red-blooded man. So that leaves no one out. Teachers never put it that way. They never put emphasis on thoughts. It's only actions. See? That's why you've heard it said. They taught as long as you didn't commit the crime of murder, as long as you didn't commit the crime of adultery, you were, you were okay. Righteous you were. They never taught that just by thinking, thinking a thought like, I'm so mad I could kill him. You're a murderer? You murdered the person? Or you entertain a thought of, you just entertain a little thought of adultery? You're an adulterer? This kind of teaching is gonna make the people feel very sinful. And that's not what the religious leaders were doing and teaching. It's always so awkward for me when my good Orthodox rabbi friend, he calls me up and says, Tom, my holy Tom, how are you? So he says, I think to myself, who you calling holy? <laughs> I said, who's holy? Certainly not Tom. I remember seeing a man in Israel one time walking down the street 
in front of a synagogue. The men in the synagogue wanted to pray, but they needed 10 men to make a minion, and they were one man short. So they came out to this man walking by the street, and they wanted him to come in and pray with them so they could have 10 men. So the way they greeted him, they didn't know him. Hey, Tzaddik, Tzaddik, they said. Hey, righteous man, come in here. So with this kind of teaching, the people were amazed that Jesus is the Messiah, and he's teaching them that they're so sinful because of their sinful thoughts. People are amazed at that. And it wasn't just so like, oh, white lies or white sins or whatever you want to call them. They were amazed Jesus is the Messiah because they never expected him. He was saying that their sin was horrible, horrible to the point of nothing but believing him to be the Passover lamb that would die for their sins would satisfy God to pass over, Passover is this Saturday, to pass over their sins and not cast them into hell, which is what he said in Matthew 5.22, Matthew 5.22, whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. John 3.18, John 3.18, he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John 1.29, John seeth Jesus walking, coming unto him and saith, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. 1 Corinthians 5.7, even Christ our Passover is slain for us. They never expected the Messiah would come to die for their sins? Are my sins are so horrible that it takes the death of the Messiah? Matthew 20, 28, Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And then the people were also so amazed that Jesus is the Messiah in verse 23 because they never expected that the Messiah would have as his teachers, the people who went out from him, men who were totally uneducated. This is in Acts 4.13, Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that Jesus. Leaders were always identified in Israel then, now, as which great rabbi they studied under. It's like saying today which university they went to. It's like saying he's a Harvard grad. And so all the people were so amazed that the teachers that Jesus commissioned to go out from, they didn't study under any famous rabbi. They were just uneducated men. And their people were amazed at that. And then the people were amazed that Jesus was the Messiah because he was teaching them something very strange. In Luke 9.23, late 9.23, he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up a cross? Carry a cross? That's shameful. Look, uh, carrying a cross is a statement that the person carrying the cross was considered by society to be the lowest criminal, that the worst death possible was reserved for that person. So the idea of the Messiah is teaching that, that his followers should, should be so shamed and disrespected, that amazed the people, amazed them. And then they were amazed in verse 23 that Jesus was the Messiah because they never expected him to be so all-embracing, as we saw already, to the Gentiles. Gentiles, but that's what he said in Matthew 8, 11. Matthew 8, 11, I say unto you that many shall come from the east, the west, that's the Gentiles, shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Gentiles ate pork <laughs> and meat and dairy products in the same mouth. 
they were considered unclean. Yeah, I remember one time I was in Parkway Plaza Mall. I was speaking to an Israeli there. He was selling Dead Sea salts, you know. And I asked the Israeli, I said, who was an atheist, by the way? He told me he's an atheist. He's an atheist, okay. I said, well, if you're an atheist, I said, have you ever sinned? He drops his head. He says, I ate a cheeseburger one time. A cheeseburger? A cheeseburger? Okay. Was it good? No, I didn't say that. So why is it a sin to eat a cheeseburger? Well, because you're eating dairy and meat in the same mouth. That's considered to be a sin. That's, Gentiles do those things. They eat cheeseburgers. Aye, aye, aye. Okay. So the people were amazed that he's embracing the Gentiles. The people are amazed that he has these tremendous calls on people's lives, like this one man who comes to him and in Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. I never expected the Messiah to do that. Ask somebody to sell everything he's got him, everything he got him. You know, it's not exactly a sin among the Jewish people. What would be so horrible if I had a little fortune? Right? It's a good thing to have a big fortune, to have a fortune in Jerusalem. So the Messiah of the Jews is asking this man to sell everything he has, give it to the poor. We were talking this morning, and the breaking of bread, waste? Never expected that. People are just amazed in verse 23. All the people amazed at all that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and they had no choice but to see that he's the Messiah because he's just what he's just done to this man. Only the Messiah could do that. And so this meant that the people had to do what Paul did when he was faced with those two questions Paul had. Is Jesus God and who is God? I guess I really didn't know who God is if Jesus is God. So the people have come really to the same questions, but they come to this way like this. Is Jesus the Messiah? And if Jesus is the Messiah, who is the Messiah? I guess I really didn't know who the Messiah is. As well as it led the people to the same questions of Paul, is Jesus God? And who is God? I guess I really didn't know who God is. That's what amazed them, which is really the same questions that everyone comes to who seriously considers the life of Jesus and the person of Jesus, what his, his life declares, which makes this all the dramatic the call, especially the Jewish people, because this is addressed to the Jewish people, in Isaiah 40, verse 9, Isaiah 40, verse 9. O Zion, that bring us good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. Which is the same thing as saying, may I introduce to you your true God, your God, behold your God. May I introduce to you Jesus as behold your God. It's time for many people to take a three-year retreat into Arabia to relearn all that they thought that they knew about who God is. That's the power behind behold your God. And that's why verse 23 says all the people were amazed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for opening our eyes, opening our understanding, so that our heart can burn within us as we see you in the person who is the perfect express image of your person, Jesus. We pray in his name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.